You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and Lord Almighty, we are back. Why? I'm not sure. How you doing, Cranky Fan? How was the Knicks game last night? Oh, uh, yeah, it was fun. Me and uh, we had two Knicks games this week. Two wins. Pretty excited. Uh, at least there's something to look forward to this fall and getting into the spring. I mean, this weekend coming up is. Uh, Another double rivalry weekend for me and probably two royal beatings. I'm going flying out tomorrow morning to New Orleans and uh, going to the Florida LSU game. And then mercifully, I'll be on a plane during the start of the giant game. So hoping there's no Wi-Fi so I don't have to watch it. <laughs> no, I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll be watching it. Um, but I know how much you people love to hear me complain about my flights. So for all you people that left a nice comments about that. Fuck yeah, off. Bit bitching about your uh, your hard life of uh, yeah, exactly. attending two games a weekend. Yeah, and... if, you, if you don't like hearing me complain about it, maybe get your own lives and get to do cool things. I mean, I, I, I will say this though: like, it, it does sound like a one percenter complaining about like their 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 terrible life, where you know. They I never to... complain. No, 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 no. But it, uh, what I will say is, having done doubleheader weekends with you, having done tripleheader weekends with you, it's a lot of nonstop, and it's. It's exhausting, and to go to two games and watch two horrible losses—that oh. add that like, you know when you're like overtired and you're cranky and like the stupidest stub your toe thing is like the end of the day for you. Oh, That's it's that amplified by like fifty. So like I I actually understand when you're like when you're not feeling it because you've had it. Oh like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, but nevertheless, look, the Giants are heading to Dallas. For Sunday, I I don't think this is America's game of the week, but it's at 4:25 in Dallas. Giants Cowboys. I think they aimed for it to be America's game of the week. I don't think it will be. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think America is going to be that interested in this game. <laughs> um, but look, look, look. I I know that like normally our job is to kind of go through this and find a path to victory and kind of give. Look, we're all on the same page here. We did our mid-season review Pulse of the Fan Base with Spiro from New York Revival last night. Um, you know, Cranky's going to give his mid-season thoughts too. I understand where we are. I'm not tone deaf and I'm not stupid. Um, but that doesn't mean I stop watching because if you... Look, the draft in the offseason is what I think that I am best at. So this is like pre-draft, pre-off-season work at this point. This is a get-ahead, find out where the worst problems are. And from here on out, we're looking for certain things, right? Like, right now, Evan Neal is hurt. But Evan Neal is certainly a character in this story that we're going to focus on for the next coming weeks because any improvement that he makes changes an off-season plan or any lack of improvement also changes an off-season plan. Aziz Ojolari was activated off of the uh, injured reserve list this week. He's another character in this story. I think you could even say Kayvon Thibodeau is a character in this story. 
um, Wandale Robinson. I mean, there's there's a number of people that's very important how they play the rest of the year. So that's what we're going to be focusing on from yeah, here. Yeah, let me jump into this. So, you know, I don't need to go into my mid-season report of where we are. We all know why we are where we are. You know, it's a combination of, you know, a brutal schedule starting off the year, injuries to the worst people at the worst time, and, you know, this is where it is. You know, there's no reason to rehash why we are we are. We know why we are we are. But to answer your kind of follow up your point of why do we still bother? Well, Grump and I are giant fans. Giant uh, Grump's been a giant fan for 30 years. I've been a giant fan for 40 years. If you are still listening to this show, you have you are a giant fan. You bleed blue. And it's not a I just want to see wins fan base that listens to this show at this point this isn't a just i only care when they're good you know that giant football is not just each game it is week after week season after season building upon what we have and building on what still needs to be done it's it's a never-ending soap opera you know just like you know, all the other sports, if you watch baseball every single day, it is your nightly soap opera. This game builds on this game, builds on this game. So, you know, this season, 2023, is shot. There is no hope for the playoffs. There's probably not much hope for three more wins this year. But you don't watch the Giants just for the need to experience a win. You follow this team. You know the ins and outs. We don't tell you anything that you don't probably know already about you know, injury reports and things. We give you our take on it, but that's why we still watch. Um, this season, 2023, is different than 2021, where we were in a similar situation, down to our third-string quarterback. You know, we're just trying to get through the season, you know, whether it's quarterback sneak by quarterback sneak. Back then, we knew that everything was going to be blown up. And we were starting over from scratch. We knew there was going to be a new head coach. We knew there was going to be a new general manager. We knew this roster was going to be purged. This is different. This is, we are in a situation because of circumstances that are beyond our control. Lost our quarterback. We lost our left tackle. We lost our center. We lost our right tackle. We lost our running back. You know, We lost our tight end. These are, but these aren't, with the exception of Daniel Jones, I, I, I get that. These are not circumstances that alter the course of what the franchise is going to do going forward. We already have the foundations of this team in the general manager and the head coach. Um, if you want to talk about, you know, firing either one of those, you know, or Mike Kafka or any of that stuff, you are short-sighted and you are probably not the people I'm referring to who are bleeding blue and just are as passionate as we are and as fully invested as we are. But let's assume it for a minute. You are. Like I said, this is not a rebuild situation. This is somewhere between keep doing what you're doing and making a couple of major changes. The Daniel Jones situation, to me, in a way, now that we've had a couple, you know, a few days to think about it and the kind of the finality of right now. It's almost a blessing in disguise a little bit because I think for the next two years or three years, going through the weekly 
state of the franchise, state of the Daniel Jones. Is he our quarterback? Is he not our quarterback of the future? Is he our franchise guy? Is he not? Did they make a mistake in, in re-signing him or not? Are they going to re-sign? Are they going to you know, not opt out or, or this and stuff? That would be exhausting. And that would be, you know, a, a bit of a burden on this franchise. That all kind of got wiped away last week. And we are starting over. And we are not – this decision is made a lot simpler because it would have been a tough decision. I mean, Daniel Jones, we can argue all he want. Is this a franchise quarterback or not? He is not in that upper echelon of quarterback. He is not Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not any of these guys who you know – is the franchise quarterback. So having a little bit of finality, a little bit, to me is almost like a little weight off my shoulders going forward because we are going to be in a position most likely to draft a potential game-changing quarterback. You know, the way the league is now, these guys, if they don't start right away, we will be in a very good position with Daniel Jones coming back. Even if he comes back, week two or week three, and he just plays out the string of this year or plays half a season until next quarterback takes over. We are still set up to be successful over the long term. It's going to take a little longer than we thought, but I don't think this is a complete start from scratch, rebuild like it was two years ago. So state of the state of the franchise for now and midseason, we are watching guys – it's almost like kind of watching senior uh, bowl and watching all-star games. These are extended tryouts for a lot of people on this roster. You know, when the season is no longer in doubt and it's a waste of time, you would think for wins and loss standpoint and playoff perspective, we have to see if guys want to be here and want to be NFL players and, you know, can kind of put on the shelf, what this team is doing and where they're going to be in January. And I think this is a extended evaluation for this front office and coaching staff to say, these are the guys we want to go to battle with next year and years forward. Then, you know, some guys is just, you know, are going to mail it in, get mouthy, uh, think about themselves, make business decisions. So there is plenty to play for the rest of this year. And to Grum's point, we are going to pivot how we look at these games. We're not caring about who wins or loses or that, but just trends we see and things that we can build on for next year. And sucks that we keep talking about this almost every single year, but that's the reality. And we have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit or else we'll have a mouthful of shit. I'm tired of it. So before we get totally into this, throughout this episode, I will be drinking a beer by <laughs> Autodidact Brewing. And why am I promoting this beer for no money whatsoever? It's because they make a quality product and they're a small business, just like us. So be a pal, tell a fellow Giant fan about the Just Giants podcast, and grab yourself a beer from Autodidact Brewing. Um, so look, you, you kind of unloaded a lot of shit in there, and I kind of want to break it down a little bit at a time. Please, let's do it. Um, let's start with where we are, and let's start with Daniel Jones so we can get it out of the way. Look, Daniel Jones is not going to play for the rest of this year. There is somewhat of a chance that he might be ready by the start of next year. It is not unfathomable. I will even say that he might have a quicker recovery time than people think, only because, look... I, I'm not a doctor, and I, I don't care one way or another, but 
I have not seen too many people walk off an ACL. The story we got from Brian Dable is that after the initial fall when he fell, he ran away from the side. I mean, we had commercials, so we couldn't see any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to the sideline. Dable asked him if he was okay. He said he was fine. He just kind of buckled. And then he ran away from the sideline. So as a coach, I mean, I'm probably the same way. I'd probably let him just go, okay, you fell. Uh, let's do this. And then he just kind of whatever. And people said that he was trotted kind of around the locker room. Like he was not clearly stiff, clearly immobilized, clearly an injury, clearly not weight bearing, you know, whatever. But there are guys with ACLs you see throwing helmets, punching the ground in tears. Um, you know, it just kind of looked like his leg stopped working to him. Like it almost looked like foreign. Like, why won't you respond? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that being said, we know where we are with Daniel Jones this year. We know that we might not win another game this year. Just if we couldn't beat the Raiders, I I, I think that there's a 80% chance that we end up with just a two-win season this year. Um, and that puts us in prime position to draft a quarterback or an incredibly high-powered player or in position to move up to get the, the quarterback that we need. We'll, we'll be right there. So it won't take too much to move up one spot, two spots, etc. Um, that like- said, well, th- that said, the thing with Daniel Jones is that we're in position this offseason, most likely, to get one of these guys. You don't get into this position very often, and we happen to be in a year where there is a very celebrated quarterback. There's also another one that's climbing up the ranks. There's two others that are flying up the ranks. There's a, uh, another one that's sort of going un, unheralded. Um, so these kinds of situations don't come up that often. But nevertheless, the Giants are locked into Daniel Jones for another year. So let me ask you this. What happens, and this is a way out there scenario, you draft Caleb Williams, Daniel Jones starts the season because he can, and you have to pay him anyway. What happens if he just is lights out for whatever reason? Do you ever make the switch midseason to Caleb Williams if Daniel Jones is just playing on fire? And the and the Giants are winning. I'm sorry. I assumed yeah. it, but, but yeah, go ahead. No, you stick with the hot hand. You, you know, when you draft a quarterback or anybody, it's not like you have to. It's not like they're going to go. It's not like buying an, an apple is going to go bad after three weeks. You have to use them or else you have to throw it away in the garbage. I mean, if you're drafting a franchise quarterback like that, and I'm not talking about even like Daniel Jones with the ninth pick. I'm talking about a guy that, you know. Everybody was like, this is the first or second pick in the draft, like a Caleb Williams, for example. And, you know, if Daniel Jones is on a heater, he waits. Wait, sitting on the bench and buying your time is not a bad thing for rookies. I mean, rookies are playing now. I mean, we're watching this horrible, you know, Chicago Carolina game right now. And we are seeing a Heisman Trophy winner and a very, very, very successful quarterback in college look very bad right now. He has to play and he's not probably in an ideal situation may not be playing immediately. So no, I, 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 I don't think that you have to force if you, if you draft a guy, um, not at all, but again, what is playing really, really good mean in for Daniel Jones? I mean, we have five years out of him. Has he ever played at a level that's been such a heater that he has to be playing? 
Well, I mean, I, I think you have isolated examples. I think my, my point is if he puts it all together next year where you have a string of those games where it's 300 to 400 yards passing, multiple touchdowns, he's moving the ball. I mean, you know, just in general, yeah. operating the offense to the point where the Giants look unstoppable. I mean, at a certain point. Uh, uh, the, I, I you answered the way I expected. You're, yeah, you're 100%. Playing, of course. Like I, I mean, said, there's, there's they're stuck a, with him. There's going to be a big fan. There's going to be a big segment of the fan base that as soon as he throws his first incompletion, the booze will be out, and you'll hear Caleb Williams coming out of the. Uh, I guarantee the you, there will be booze if he's named the starter when he comes out of the tunnel. I'll tell you that right now. Daniel Jones. Yeah, if if they draft Caleb Williams mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones is named the starter week one, when he runs out of the tunnel week one, they will boo him. There will be a that sure. same guy that you're talking about. They'll boo him before his first incomplete pass. Is what I'm oh, saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Okay, but one more thing before we move up to Hill Jones is the contract. You know, they had to do what they had to do for the contract, but the contract is also we said this. It's it's kind of a get out of jail free card that, you know, if he's just Daniel Jones, the middling quarterback that he's honestly was this year before he got hurt, and you know, kind of has been for most of it most of his career. This is an opportunity to get out of that contract and not just say we don't we're to start from with an unknown. If you're able to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or you know anybody of that ilk who they who they deem as you know their franchise guy is an opportunity to get off of it where a lot of teams don't have that opportunity to do so and have nothing in return. So that plays a factor in all of this as well. Don't think it doesn't. And don't think that for a team that still has, you know, regards to the quarterback situation, a lot of holes, both in your starting 22 and depth wise that they have to address. And there's a lot of money that can be used in 2025 instead of paying a quarterback will be in his, you know, seventh, eighth year. And it's just, eh. Um. Some other people I want to talk about on offense. Um, yeah. I, I think this won't be as in-depth. But Evan Neal, obviously, is someone that we're going to continue to monitor. Uh, I don't anticipate him playing any better this year. I mean, like, I wouldn't say that he played horribly last week. It's still still kind of the Raiders, though. And uh, he ended up getting hurt. And I think once he's hurt, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to play any better coming back from injury, right? Or, or even move to guard, even. Like, I mean, we're kind of – this is, is what he is really until he gets healthy, and that probably won't happen until the offseason. I am interested to see what they do at right tackle in his position, whether it's Tyree Phillips or if they end up moving Justin Pugh over there. Uh, I do think that's going to be an interesting situation. Um, Saquon Barkley. So you mentioned the Daniel Jones contract. I, I still think that they handled the priorities correctly, you know, Saquon 100%. Barkley, it doesn't matter that Saquon Barkley is more of a factor or more successful or more of a part of the offense. Everything with contract negotiations is just leverage. And Saquon didn't have any, period. And mm-hmm. that that sucks. And his problem is with the NFLPA. We, we had that whole conversation at that time. I still stand by their priorities. You know, the details of each contract is what it is. Um, but that being said... Based on what you've seen this year, Barkley, do you bring him back next year? And when you, if you do, do you use the franchise tag again? 
or do you use the franchise tag as leverage for an extension or do you just go for the extension? I'm curious. I think I would I think I would tag him. Honestly, I I would not go for a long-term contract with him right off the bat. Um I don't know. My my patience with Saquon Barkley is growing thin. And not that I don't think he's a great guy and I don't think he's I mean the fact is he just can't stay healthy all the time and when he plays to my eyes he's not great anymore. He's good. He's a solid starter in this league, but I don't see an elite running back anymore. Like how many times this year, whether we've been seen together in the stands or watching or texting each other, or, you know, we were at the, um, you know, the live stream last week did we say, if healthy, that's a touchdown. If healthy, that's a touchdown. We say that a lot. And I just, you know, he's the, He's getting to be on the backside of 30. He can never stay healthy. I think you have his age wrong. On the backside, how the back is getting closer to 30 than 20. That's what backside of 30 means. Oh, I'm sorry. That sounds like yeah. front side of 30. No, 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 no. The, getting closer to 30 than 20, rather. Okay, okay. Good. My point. Right, right. Go right. on. I, you know, I just don't see it. I just don't see the the odds that he's all of a sudden going to at an an advanced running back age be able to give you 16 games and have the best years of his career ahead of him. I just don't see it. I think that, I think unfortunately the, the window of eliteness from him and the potential for eliteness, I think is closing very quickly. And I certainly don't want to pay for after the train is up the station with him. I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you. Uh, it comes down to just not being healthy. Uh, he can't stay healthy for one full season. I don't think he's ever done it. Um, uh, we have said multiple times, if healthy, that's a touchdown. Look, this has been a bad year for the Giants, and I'm not putting the blame on Saquon Barkley. But that being said, this was a year in which um, playmakers needed to play big. And the defense played big for the majority of this season. And Saquon Barkley never really played big. I mean, like, what he has never had a big play touchdown this year. Has he, does he have any touchdowns this year? Does he have one? He has one. He has the one in Arizona one. where he reached for the end zone, which right. was a pretty sweet play, but not an elite play. That was like a good running back play. And there were, and that was before he got hurt. That was before yeah. the high ankle sprain. Um, I think the bar is so low with this offense and other running backs on this team it's like you know he rips off like a 12 yard run it's like see hell yeah yeah you, exactly you need him I mean, well but, you, but here like, no 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 that that's you know the majority of starting running backs in the league can just do what he just did the question is can you make something out of nothing can you get into the second level and boom you're gone can you make a you know hit a hole and go i haven't seen any of that so I, I wanna I wanna try and be fair to Saquon, but ultimately it doesn't matter, right? Like so this offense wasn't doing shit for six straight quarters. Then in the final two quarters it starts doing stuff, and then all hell broke loose in San Francisco, and it was and he got hurt at the end of that game. So like mm-hmm. he had all of about two quarters of the offense functioning like an NFL offense, but it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, Saquon's story is injuries. 
That is his story. So it it yeah, it sucks and yeah, we can't really judge his performance this year because the offense was bullshit for two uh three quarters of the time he was healthy this year. But that's sort of irrelevant. Like him not being able to be healthy is the problem. It's like the biggest thing against him. And you're right. Like we've we've seen some little make something out of nothing, but it's usually make nothing out of something terribly bad. Um, where it's like a, a minus five loss that he turns into a zero yard gain, but where we've really seen him with good plays, they don't look like Barkley plays because he's hitting a hole. He's got wide open green grass in front of him. People are catching up to him. This is not something that we saw in 2018, 2019. It's just not. Uh, I would even say in 2020, we didn't see that, but but there is some element of mounting injuries. There's some element of rehabbing injuries, and there's some element of age. There's just a lot of tread on this man's tires. Um, That said, he's still the best playmaker we have on offense right now, so I want to keep him. Uh, I do think that he probably has two years of serviceability left in him beyond this year, but I'm not going to be the one on the hook for that second year. I will let another team take that that chance, and I would franchise tag him next year, 100%. I I agree. I I, I am with you with that. I mean, we, like I said, we still have a lot of things we have to do with this team, and, you know, money will count, and I just don't want to, I don't want to lock up to guys that, are not guarantees or not certainties or not probabilities. I mean, he's a potentially, but I like my potentialies to be guys that are 21 and right out of the draft, not guys that are in their seventh and eighth year after a couple of major surgeries and, you know, miscellaneous nicks and nicks and knacks to the body. Uh, I don't really have anybody else on offense that I'm super duper zeroing in on for the rest of the year. Obviously, we're going to watch everybody. Um, but there's nobody, like, I don't think Jalen Hyatt's going to get a chance to really shine this year without a quarterback throwing him deep. Uh, you know, we know what we have with just about everybody else at the wide receiver spot. Obviously, John Michael Schmitz, we're going to watch. We're going to watch the whole O line. So I want to switch to the defensive well, side. Well, well, I have one okay. more guy Go ahead. I wanted to see is uh, Waller. He's on IR right now. I know, but okay. I mean, he's he's going to come back. I mean, we're talking about mid-season report and just kind of, you know, a disappointment, but how much of it really is his fault and how much of it is just the fact that, you know, you know we expected him, especially we went to that one training camp, that one uh, practice. And remember they were doing like a, you know, 11 on 11 for a bit and he was getting the ball basically every play and we're like, this guy's going to be unstoppable. He's gonna be. He's gonna be the offense. Um, it just never kind of worked out that way. I mean, I get it. He may have been asked to kind of to stay home and block a little bit more to help the offensive line, um, but it's been quite disappointing. And hopefully, you know, even if he does come back and plays the final, you know, three four games of the season, he could be a very valuable safety net for whoever the quarterback is going to be the rest of the way, whether it's uh, Tommy DeVito or Barkley or, you know, insert the scrub that that's going to play. So I'm actually going to pay attention a little bit to him and see what he does when he comes back, if he's effective at all, or is it just a lost year and we start over next year? Here, here's why I'm a little less interested in that. And it's not because uh, you don't bring up a good point. Uh, he's definitely somebody that should be monitored. The biggest thing with him was always injuries, um, and mm-hmm. he got injured. So he's already got 
the the personal boundary that he had, the, the personal hurdle that he had to jump over, he crashed right into. Uh, so that's number one. But the other thing too is that I I think that he got screwed. Uh, he got screwed by roster management. And uh, what I mean by that is for some inexplicable me- reason, tight end number three was Lawrence Cager. So anytime that Daniel Bellinger got hurt or an O-lineman got hurt or our O-line was underperforming, we had to have a tight end who was basically a wide receiver stay in to do more blocking. It's not why he was brought here. It's not his skill set, and it's not what he's good at. And because of roster mismanagement, and I understand that Tommy Sweeney has like a heart thing and whatever, but blocking tight ends, they're available, man. They Mm -hmm. can be found. They can be poached off practice squads. And also, not for nothing – I don't understand the methodology in, in keeping Lawrence Cager. I mean, like, you have essentially chosen to get a tight end backup that is the Darren Waller backup. But Darren Waller is a unicorn. The only person who can back up Darren Waller and run the routes that Darren Waller runs is Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey is frankly better because he also is a very good blocker. Mm-hmm. Um so there is no sense in keeping another tight end that can run Darren Waller as part of the offense. When Darren Waller goes down, that part of your offense is shut down. You can't do it. Lawrence Cager can't do it. Most people can't do it. That's fine. So it doesn't make sense to me that this is the way that they did this. And so he lost a lot of valuable time having to stay in and block when our O-line fell apart. And the other part of that o- that roster mismanagement that screwed him was – putting all the chips towards skill players and no chips towards O-line depth. So as soon as somebody got hurt and it was game one, week one, or drive one, that someone got hurt on the O-line, that was it. His fate was sealed immediately. He all immediately lost his role in the offense. So yes, I want to watch him going forward, but with backup tight, but backup quarterbacks throwing, I mean, he's going to be running more traditional tight end stuff. I mean, unless... We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I do think that his role in the offense, his whole season this year gets an asterisk for, for me. And it's not his fault. But but he didn't stay healthy either. Yep. Yep. Agreed. You mentioned the defense, and you also mentioned players mouthing off. So I want to start with Xavier oh, McKinney. I, sure. I, just, I just want you to go. So go. I said before that this is the time we kind of figure out who do we want to keep and who do we want to go? Who is part of the program and not part of the program? Um, you know, we were debating, you know, we've, we debated this quite a bit, you know, is he someone that's going to be re-signed? And quite frankly, I think he just sealed his death sentence with, uh, you know, his words and, and his actions the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, the last thing you need in this final six weeks of a lame duck season, not a lame duck for the coach or the GM or anybody, but just to play out the string is you don't need dissension. You don't need having a locker room divided. And that doesn't mean necessarily offense versus defense. You know, this could be, this sounds like it could be captain versus captain. You know, Andrew Thomas said he didn't think there was any problem to to stuff that uh, he was alluding to. So I think that, you know, performance alone doesn't dictate your contract status and being kept on a team or not. I think it's, you know, chemistry plays a part, especially if you're someone who's tapped to be a captain 
and you cannot lead, that's a that's that needs to almost be an addition by subtraction situation. So I think, you know, these will be his final games as a New York Giant. I do not think he'll be back next year. And I think that's the right move. Even if you are suffering a little bit on skill next year, I think it has to be done. I think that's interesting. So I agree with you, um, mostly. <clears throat> I, I, I talked about this with uh, Mr. Glass at full last night. Uh, and he was saying the kind of the same thing, that what, what Xavier McKinney has been saying is rubbing him the wrong way, and I'm with him. So I likened it to when Evan Neal screwed up earlier this year, and he got asked a bullshit question, and he answered it very, very, very poorly, in that he answered it in so many words, where every single word was the wrong answer. Um, but Evan Neal is a second-year player coming off of a very, very bad game individually, and he's not a captain. Xavier and McKinney, he's, and he's also been, you know, the 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 brunt of it for the last year and a half. You know, yeah. he's he's played poorly. He is catching criticism. He is getting pressure. It is building on him. Xavier McKinney, I mean, how much how much does he really get for like the fans' ire or or the the media's ire on him? Not much. Not much. So yeah. But also, he's a captain. So exactly. you know, it comes with responsibility. You got to shut your fucking mouth sometimes. And mm-hmm. and I, you know, normally I would not agree with you. With you know, he just sealed his fate with this last one. But now I actually do. So there were more developments. So earlier this year, he had the stupid comment, which was a slight one, I will say. But I still think it's stupid to come from a captain. Was we're not going to keep blaming the defense. Was what he said to a reporter. Mm-hmm. But he's not the first player to say something along those lines. You know, whatever. But I saw it as uh, writing on the wall. Like, this has to be... That was the coaching staff's moment to be like, you got to control yourself with the mm-hmm. media. You're DEFCON 3 right there. And in this instance, what he said regarding uh, regarding defensive... Ca- he said captains, but it was... we We've learned throughout this week that it's specifically the defensive captains were not being heard. And what he meant was they were not being heard when they brought things to the sideline to the coaches. Wink Martindale came up. He was asked directly about it, said he was upset. He was hurt by those comments because it's the first time in his entire career something like that's happened. And when he broke it down, he said it was one coverage that we ran one time that he was complaining about. And I don't know if I believe him or not about any of that. But based on the reaction, I would say Wink Martindale doesn't give a shit. Mr. Glass have full said i mean doesn't give a shit about him mr glass Hatful had a conspiracy theory that they have been um at odds since the beginning of the year and he said the same thing i said actually was it probably started with taking away the green dot and taking Absolutely. away responsibilities they bring in a free agent from somewhere else at a completely different position and they gave him his responsibilities so now you have a vocal leader a good thing seeing things and he's not able to communicate them and i think he got upset about it because the team was playing bad and honestly this kind of shit happens all the time this kind of shit makes its way to the media when teams are playing badly and when they want it to go to the media too well or or that i mean if it's if they if this wanted to be airtight it could be airtight you know they could lock this down you know you never see these things kind of keep going with teams like the Patriots. Like if you might hear an occasional outburst of something, but that's it. Everything else is handled in-house. End of story. It just kind of goes away. This now this story now has a bit of legs. I don't really have anybody else in the defense that I'm super worried about, but obviously the guys that we're going to continue to watch would be uh, Tay Banks, 
Trey mm-hmm. Hawkins, um, and probably Aziz Ojolari, obviously, coming off of IR. This is a big stretch of the season for him. And Kayvon Thibodeau. I, is there anybody else I'm missing? I mean, we. I guess we want to see as a unit how they're going to play that uh, Leonard Williams is gone. But, you know, again, that's just a – something will be resolved after this offseason. So it's, I don't know how exciting that actually is, but, you know – I, I kind of agree with you. I think I think we've hit the key po- guys we want to see. I mean, definitely. Well, I mean, uh, like Dave Banks, Banks to me is number one. I mean, that was one of the, uh, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. That was one of our two main going into the season concerns. Not that we thought he'd be bad, but he thought he was going to be a rookie. And you know, there's been some moments of okay, he's a rookie, but overall, I've been very pleased and I'm very excited about the potential with this guy. So I, I'd like to see that kind of, you know, take two steps up, take half a step back the rest of the way and, and kind of see how he is in week 17 versus how he was like in week two and three. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's somebody that we were going to laser focus on, whether this was a losing season, winning season, 500 season, didn't matter. Oh, there's there's no 500 seasons anymore, are there? No, no. <laughs> Stupid. Um that is pretty much that with what we're going to be looking at. As far as injuries go, um, Aziz Ojolari, like we mentioned, is coming off of IR. Um, Graham Gano went to IR. Tyrod Taylor does not believe he has a season-ending injury to his ribs. And uh, Evan Neal is on IR as well. He was on crutches the other day. Um, so, so that's kind of where we are at an injury standpoint. Um, I'm interested to see how they adjust to the right tackle spot. Um, we've got two kickers now with Cade York and Randy Bullock. I don't know. I don't. I, that's an interesting situation. I know people think that it's uh, a roster mistake, and it may very well be. But I do think it's interesting that they went after Cade York at all. Uh, and I know that. Wow, was it? Fuck. Was it Lawrence Tynes that said that he's a really good kicker, just working through some shit right now? I believe it was. So yeah. do you think that that's sort of like that's their that's like their developmental guy? Like they they found a guy that was like they couldn't believe was available and they they went ahead and took him and Randy Bullock is for now. But I mean you mean developmental for like beyond this year or like get him ready like in 5 weeks to kick. Doesn't matter. Uh, well either because I mean kickers are great trade pieces. So it doesn't really matter. Developmental as in they could showcase him at the end of the year if they can work through some – whatever he's working on, whatever adjustments he needs to make, whether it's mental, physical, or both. If they can get that through and he can kick lights out from weeks 12 through 18, that's not a bad – I mean we got well, – we got. I mean, if, he, if he was on a – like he'd have to be on a contract beyond this year to do that, right? Yeah, I suppose he would. I, I, yeah, I mean – Unless there's something like, you know, the 49ers kicker goes down in week 17 hmm. and he's out and they need somebody right now and they can just make a but isn't but the deadline's over too. Yeah, I was thinking off season. Um I'm not actually sure what his his contract but I yeah, I guess it expires I, at the end of the year. So do you, so so is Cade York just like their guy? Why else? Not why 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 get two guys? Or is Cade York going to be the guy for the rest of the year and Randy Bullock was just immediately? I, that might be the case. That might be something. They needed a bridge for the bridge. 
I mean, that's the only logical thing that makes any sense, right? I mean, sure. It, 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 unless they decide to sign one of the a guy coming off the street to a multi-year deal to worry about next year, uh, but then that means that's assuming that that means that's assuming the injury to um, Mr. Knoll is a lot worse than we think it is. I mean, are we sure he's going to be ready to go for? you know, off season and training camp next year? I think so. Surgery? I think so. I mean, it's his, it's his plant foot. So it's not his kicking leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already got the surgery in November. I think he would be ready by September. Okay. So it's I, I think so. So it's not something like a Daniel Jones thing. Like we don't even know if he'll even be back for the start of the year and worry about that. But I, I suppose it could be, but is he, I don't think the giants signed him beyond this year. Did they? Cade York? Yeah, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think they did that. So no. I, I there's been a couple of some head scratching decisions with the roster on this team this year, and this is just one of those that, you know, it may not add to a whole lot of nothing, but why the extra steps and why the extra maneuvers? I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I will say this though, Cade. Maybe you, it's something to get under because we're so low in the cap anyway. Maybe he is something like a deferment or something. I don't know. You know what? I wonder this because he's so. I I wonder if they put him in the practice squad. That could be. If they, if they, because look, most of the time when kickers get hurt and you have to dumpster dive, usually, I mean, like, we've seen it before with Josh Brown on the, uh, whatever list for beating his wife, whatever, whatever awful (laughs) NFL designation they give him. He was suspended for a number of weeks. Um, you, they kind of just sign, a, a guy who's been around the league and has done it all before, and they 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 do a two week thing. They kick some field goals, they do some kickoffs, and they say goodbye to everybody, and they see them at some party somewhere else months later. But right. Cade York is twenty two. Mm-hmm. Cade York was very recently at LSU. He was not like he, he's not been around the block a hundred times. So I kick, is he a kicker punter? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I but. You know, I, I do wonder if that they see something in him that's like, if we could tap into that, we've got a young guy. This might be our, our guy beyond Gano or, or whatever. I don't know. I do think it's interesting, though. I don't think it's purely roster folly. Because if it is, I, I don't want to live anymore. But also, it's 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 just so crazy. That's like, that's like drafting a punter in the first level of crazy. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. weird. How long is Gano's contract for? I believe he signed for three years. Hmm. I mean, and, I, I, I really don't think you're, you're bringing in a guy for, even if he was signed for a couple of years, like a developmental guy for someone in case three years down the line. Well, I would I mean, say in case maybe he doesn't recover from the surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, how do we know Gano doesn't come back from surgery with the yips? Gano had a three-year extension he signed. So I think he's still, this is the last year of his initial deal and then he's got three years after i i I believe that's right yeah so yeah i don't know man um but i don't i don't really want to talk about kickers too much um look the giants are going to this game they're playing a very healthy cowboys team coming off of a very spirited loss in which dak prescott hit his head (laughs) did you see that play yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, th- this is this is a get right game for Dallas um, after a a really good effort against Philadelphia. I'm kind of surprised. It, I really thought Dallas was going to win that game in that last drive. I really thought it. Um, 
and this is the worst possible matchup for us. The, the worst thing we wanted to see this week was that pass rush against a... I almost a, think it's okay. I mean, at this point, well, for, well, well, here's why. Explain. Number one, Daniel Jones can't get any more hurt than he already is. He's not even on the field. So some catastrophic injury to... to Tommy DeVito would be sad, but would not really impact anything with the Giants going forward. Oh, oh, I was just thinking in terms of just, you know, the three hours we have to muddle through to watch the game itself. I wasn't thinking in terms of physically a guy, you know, getting seriously hurt. I well, li- listen, this, this, there is a way it could be worse. Thankfully, this game is going to be watched on my couch with any amount of food that I want, any variety of food I want, anything to dull the pain will be at my disposal. It will not be at MetLife Stadium in the fucking pouring rain. I mean, I'm sorry. It's This is not going to be more miserable than week one for me. It just won't. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I already have my senses dulled by getting, you know, Florida getting their asses kicked the night before at LSU. I'm going to be sitting... You know, at Death Valley on a Saturday night, getting my my ass handed to me then. So all my senses will be numb and dull flying home. So I guess that's a, a win. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like being on the couch. Just like, you you can't hurt me any more than I'll be hurt this weekend. This is, you know, two rivals, two teams I really hate. And it could be two devastating, two devastatingly bad losses, historically bad losses. Then uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your prediction? The Tommy DeVito-led New York Giants are visiting the Dak Prescott-led Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, Texas. Um, Cranky fan score prediction is very bad. <laughs> what did we lose? Forty to nothing last time. Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh... Let's be a little let's be a little conservative and say 35-3. Let's just say this game is over pretty quickly, but I think this is when Dallas may just call the dogs off a little early. Um I think they should. I mean, at this point, yeah. we're no threat to them and they need to start thinking about staying healthy. Exactly. Exactly. And I think also that 40 to nothing was also the you know odd because of circumstance. Of, you know, the game got out of hand really quickly. I still think if that if it weren't Mookie raining, plays. I still think if it weren't raining, that game would not have been forty to nothing. Yeah, and also you know the the, the special teams turnover early and just before you know it, it was that and, and you know it just it rolls downhill really really quickly. Um, you know I don't think you know I think Tommy DeVito he's a he he could be in in injuries way in harm's way for sure, but. I don't see him and I don't see Mike Kafka and Brian Dable putting him in a position where he is going to be as turnover prone. I don't see him throwing the ball all over the place at all. You know, if you know there's a big pass rush coming on him and the offensive line can't do anything, he will just take a sack. He will hopefully just throw it out of bounds. I don't see them trying to force anything with him. And I know this is the first time he's actually getting real reps with the first team, but still, he's a quarterback who's not ready to be playing in the NFL. They know this. I think they're going to put the potential for you know catastrophic play at as minimum as they can, but it won't matter. I agree. I also think I'm gonna I'm gonna a three minute rant on the New York beat and New York fans. Go for it. Um. 
I don't understand this thing with the pride in the New York beat being shitty to people and you've got to be tough to play in New York as if as if there's some uncontrollable part of New York that is harder. It's not uncontrollable, it's very controllable. Stop being an asshole. So, right now we have the beat sucking Tommy DeVito off super duper hard because their job for the next 10 weeks depends on Tommy DeVito being interesting. Uh, and that's that's very frustrating to me. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, like, the last two days has been unbearable. Puppies, puppies. It's like... It, it's also not even new. The dude's played twice already. Like, it's so clearly, like, this is the only thing I can write about. Like... Well, it's it's also some of these beat guys, you know, they have a vested interest. Like Art Stapleton, he has told us now 13 times he's covered him since he was in high school. And he's known him since he's 13 years old. It's like... But he hasn't said anything about him that I couldn't tell you myself. Exactly. But they have to be part of the story. And it's like, I don't care. I don't... I'm sure Tommy DeVito is a great guy. Me too. Yes. Yes. And And I... Look... I understand that they have a job to do and they're doing it. It, What I'm saying is there is a very stark divide between this thing where they have to be pricks to people who are very good players. But as soon as there's no story to write about, they have to elevate somebody who is not worth elevating. It's it's just very frustrating. It makes me not interested in the beats work. And you know why – you know, New York is considered, oh, it's such a hard place to play and the fans are so hard. Because Because everybody's an asshole because the media they're consuming i mean yes the majority of giant fans and the majority of football fans and sports fans in this town don't watch or listen to podcasts that's not they even that read listen, listen. They, no, 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 let me finish they they listen to the fan they read the post they read you know the most basic kind of lowest common denominator i mean we were just railing on the fan for all that nonsense with carl banks and stuff but guess what you will hear that re- if you just meet some random giant fan on the street and you're wearing a giant hat and he's wearing a giant shirt and like oh giant fan huh they're gonna regurgitate what something in Bobby and Justin say or something that asshole and schmucky say on on Friday morning on the fan the latter you're 100 percent right that's what I'm saying like the the shitty fan their opinions are not their own. They come directly from shitty media trying to right. make a story out of absolutely nothing. So, you know, whatever. That's my that's my Giants beat rant. Uh, I think it's frustrating uh, and, and gross and boring. Um, that being said, it, this, this it, game is a disaster. It's very disappointing that the beat has been elevated by alternate forms of media because, quite frankly, mm. there are better sources of information out there. I mean, we sing the praises to all these guys all the time. And it's just like, they well, they're not media. Well, they're you know what the kid. you know you know what sucks about that is that competition should. Bre- I'm in my opinion. In, in my opinion, this is just mine. I've always thought the world of Dan Duggan, but I also think that the last couple of years of talking Giants being more and more in the center stage for Giants con- like consumption, Giants fan consumption, has elevated Dan Duggan's game. He is not. And I'm not saying that Art Stapleton or other people have ostracized or ignored them, but he has leaned into the Talking Giants thing. So is Art. But he's also elevated his game. He kind of does his salary cap stuff really well. He does a lot of research put in, behind his pieces. I think that Dan was always good, but I think that Talking Giants pushed him to find his niche and do it really, really well. That's just my opinion. In, in any case, look, 
Tommy DeVito, this this game's going to be an absolute mess. I, I do think that they will game plan something that looks like a scheme that can generate some level points. I don't think this is going to be a shutout, but I also think that it doesn't matter. It's going to look like a shutout. Um, probably the same thought as you, somewhere around 33-35 to something really low, 7-6-3. I honestly think they're going to try to, to create an offense that will be aimed to keep our defense off the field a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you getting, think so? a first, getting a first down, getting a couple of first downs, maybe flipping the field. And so, you know, the time possession isn't 42-45 to 15 or 17 because we're three and outing every single thing and our defense is on the field. Defense is on the field a long time. They get exhausted. Scores get run up. Players get hurt from being tired. I mean, they need to – the goal for this offense is to get a first down. And you know I always c- complain you know, a lot of this is an offense playing to the sticks and playing for the first down as opposed to playing to score. This week, play for the first down. If you can, if you can keep the ball an extra three minutes on a drive or four minutes on the drive, that's a win. And based on the situation we're in, I'm going to be watching for Tommy DeVito's development, and it's going to come in baby steps. Simple things like when you're behind the line of scrimmage and you're being forced out of bounds and nobody's open, throw it away. Just basic NFL quarterback stuff. Um, yep. That's what I'm focusing on from him. I don't expect it. Look, and this is going to be a test, dude. Trial by fire for this fucking kid. Um, yeah. I mean, if we're, if, we're, if we're supposed to be investing years of time to see if he can be a backup quarterback but i think that i think that this is i think this is great live bullets for him sure. in terms of you know <laughs> is there a reason for hope for the kid or no no i mean yes i yeah okay yeah exactly and i think like moving in an nfl pocket is something he's gonna have to take some time to learn and this is certainly the time to learn it you know what to do in this situation this situation this situation in college you're kind of better than most of the people around you so you can stretch a play out and somebody who somebody else on your team who's better than most of the people on the field will get open and you can find him and throw it to him it doesn't totally work like that in the nfl you got to learn when to give up in the nfl a lot more than in college and i think that that's kind of he's got to get his head in the right in the nfl space it's not that he does things horrible or wrong he's just he's not playing like an nfl quarterback he's not playing in an nfl team right now he's he's in a mindset of an illinois quarterback right now um i do think that this game is going to be a disaster but you know i i agree with you i think i think that we're somewhere between scoring three six and seven points i think that dallas is probably going to cap out at 30 and be comfortable with that lead and just kind of run the ball until the time trickles off the clock they're going to entertain their fans with their defense i think i don't think they're worried about putting up tons of points um, Philadelphia has a bye this week, so Washington is traveling to Seattle to play Leonard Williams and the Seattle Seahawks. How do you think that game is going to go after Washington just beat Bill Belichick in his walk of shame? Did you think it was interesting how um, the Giants offered Leonard Williams the right to veto the trade if he didn't want to go there? I thought that was a pretty classy move. In terms of uh, vocal agreement, you mean, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a classy move, but I think that comes with Joe Shane honestly wasn't shopping him, so he just came to him and was like, look, we weren't shopping you, but someone gave us an offer that we really, really like. Do you want to move or not? I I think that they probably – I think that Joe Shane probably had some level of off-season plan to keep him for another two, three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had something he has 
had kicking around in the back of his mind. Maybe they even talked to his agents already. I mean, it's not unfathomable. But uh, nevertheless, I think he also saw him as a definitely like a tearaway piece that would benefit the team overall. A lot of plans changed this season. We were not having the conversation about quarterbacks in this draft, you know, three months ago. So you have to adapt. And they did. I I just thought it was a pretty classy move. I think, uh, you know, they went out. They kind of went out on a limb a little bit to get him. They, you know, they 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 signed him to the contract and everything, and he was treated as a leader. Interesting how he's respected as a leader, where Xavier McKinney, you know, isn't acting much like a leader, and will be, I think, will be discarded after because of that. But uh, back to the game. Um, the game's in Seattle. Seattle wins. Oh, totally agree. Yeah. Um. Did you see that thing I was talking about with Bill Belichick doing the walk of shame? I just scrolling really quickly on on Twitter, I saw something I didn't even bother looking at it. What was it? It it was him walking out of somebody else's house shirtless very early in the morning. Oh, literally a walk of shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very very funny. Um, well, not... between him and him and Kraftman, it's a Randy Taylor out there, <laughs> and Antonio Brown, right? Yeah. Oh wait, it, it, that that was it, sorry, sorry. That was a that was a Brady crossover in Tampa Bay, not not New England. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you. I think Seattle wins this game. They're at home. It's a serious home field advantage. I'm not really sure what's going on with the Patriots, but I am I am shocked the Commanders won that game. I'm not really I'm not really sure what the thinking is with the Commanders right now. You know, they kind of you know mm. jettisoned a bunch of guys already, and uh, I'm not really sure what they're thinking. So. No, I don't. I don't see them going across the country and winning in Seattle. That is all that we have for this week. Um, we will be back Tuesday morning with a review of the game, and again, keep in <laughs> mind of what it is we will be looking for. We will mention the score and the storylines, but we will go into. We will be looking at the Giants through a 2024 lens and who's staying, who's going, who do we keep, what do we address sort of thing. So there is a reason to tune in on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube other than our beautiful faces. It's the information that we provide based on our review of the game. So please be sure to tell a friend about the Just Giants podcast. Tell a friend about our Twitter handles. And uh, we will see you all Tuesday morning. Getting closer to Thanksgiving, one of our favorite holidays. Mm. And we will see you all next time. Until then, go Go Giants. Giants.